0: Come on and spend time with Joe's people. Just like near the old cathedral. I'm so glad I'm one of Joe's people. And we'll have a lot of laughs, get closer to the Lord. Just chill out now with Joe's people.
1: Ladies and gentlemen of the Worldwide Interwebs and all the ships at sea. Good evening and welcome to Joe's People. It's a Catholic podcast, but it's not totally lame. Tonight on The Big Show, Joe welcomes his good friend, Joe Morse, back as co-host. They discuss if you can mix libertarian and Catholic ideas. Then, Deacon Guadalupe returns to talk about the upcoming Corpus Christi procession and also his experiences working border patrol against the drug trade. They also talk about demonic possession, satanic movements, and exorcisms. It's a Joe's people you won't want to miss. And now, the man who makes me a better Catholic... Wait, didn't you tell Gutenberg not to publish the Bible because there was no way it would make it to the bestseller list? Hey, stick to the script or we'll get somebody else to do this. Darrr. And now, the man who makes me a better Catholic, Mr. Joe Geisler. And his friend, Joe Morse. Alright, so... Yeah, thanks for that intro. Uh, so I'm here with my good buddy Joe Morse. Hi there.
0: World. Hi there, Facebook. Not Facebook world. Joe's people world.
1: Joe's people world. All the the interwebs and all the ships at sea, and po- any satellites that are listening. in. so yeah,
0: coming yeah, to so, you live from the what is this first grade classroom? This is our. Uh, it's like a school for
1: ants. I yeah it's uh, yeah we we got uh, we got some high we got a high tech studio we're working on today <laughs> and uh, so it's it? just hard to describe hell. Advanced high studios. tech, it is, yeah. 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 But uh, so <laughs> but um, we have air conditioning, so that's uh, that's it's a plus, a plus yeah. in Texas. and we got, we got chairs, so but yeah, um, so yes, yeah, so this week we're gonna have on uh, we're gonna interview uh, uh Deacon Guadalupe, very excited about, about this. We're gonna talk about Corpus Christi, so uh, um, but yeah, so we were uh, we you wanted to talk about fe- uh, we want to talk about, I think the topic would be Facebook evangelization. Yeah. Or maybe fa- Facebook arguing. So um, I don't know why, uh, but
0: so sometimes my wife comes in and says, What are you doing? And I, I have to tell her there's somebody that's wrong on the internet. <laughs> there's only one person yeah. that's wrong. And I need to fix and this. To fix it. And it, you know, it may be me. I could be the wrong person, but yeah. it needs to be fixed before I come to bed. <laughs> But that's um, yes yeah, so that's what I've been doing recently
1: GK Chesterton said you know uh, what's wrong with the world me right so that, oh, was, that wow. was his answer
0: that is totally yeah. chestonian yeah. Chestertonian
1: Chestertonian yeah, yeah. They, he was, loves uh, the paradox uh, or Chester Belloc that was uh, uh, Belloc liked to think that everybody else was wrong though, but, so. but yeah so
0: <laughs> yeah so yeah I was saying um, you know it's interesting you have people that just want to argue. Yeah, and that can go on
1: for you know days. Just that was a, that was a Monty Python, the guy that paid five oh, yeah uh, five yeah. pounds for argument, argument. clinic. Yeah, yeah. Well, he wanted argument. This is an argument. Yes, yes it, it, is. Is. <laughs> yeah, it is. So yeah, I paid for uh, an argument. Yeah, so you've got uh, you, you've gotten into a, uh, a discussion, which uh, I, I think we might turn into a whole show eventually about uh, oh, it should be Catholic and libertarian. Yeah,
0: so, yeah so well, there was a one, uh, cardinal that recently came out declared war on libertarians. <laughs> Said that they it was incompatible with the church. With Catholic teaching. And yeah, lucky for us libertarians, Catholic libertarians, um, we uh, they can be fallible. They don't they're not necessarily right yeah. on everything. Even saints can be fallible. So. Sure. It's the magisterium
1: itself that can't that is, that is infallible.
0: Right. And so I posted a, a reply um, on my blog and so got so some of, interesting well, which of his responses. Point,
1: well, which of his points did you most take issue with? Uh, well,
0: I just think uh, he uh, misunderstands from what I saw he misunderstands what libertarianism is I think he 's confusing it with crony capitalism, which yeah. isn 't good and i don 't think that if you understand economics you'll you 'll see that that i don 't think anyone will defend crony capitalism, even the people that benefit from it. Um, and that's I mean, just in, a matter of, of capitalists using the government's power to uh, to profit.
1: But it, I mean, in terms of, um, uh, I mean, certain arguments, people could make a. Um, well, I mean, how would uh, how would a libertarian approach uh, the the life issue, for instance? Um, right. C- because it, a libertarian could make an argument. Uh, I, I would see a libertarian could make. Uh, an argument on either side yes. for the and, life issue, and I've found um, that
0: about half are pro-life. Yeah. Half of the libertarians that I know, like um, ReasonMagazine.com, uh, well, it's a it's a libertarian uh, publication, and every time they post something about abortion, you get half the people going off on abortion, and the other people going off on pro-life. But yeah, so it's a it's an issue, um, whereas libertarians stress liberty and they see that as a liberty issue, Um, a lot of libertarians see it as a a life issue, Um, and you can't have liberty without life. And so the first, if you have rights, if you understand rights, you understand that you must have the right to life, and that's the first and most primary right. Now, what about, um, uh, I mean, uh, I'm guessing the, uh, well, okay, I
1: I won't put words in a cardinal's mouth, but... Uh, you know, Pope Francis had had come out and talked about yes. um, talked about both government, or you know, I guess he would say political and economic leaders should. Uh, he talks about an option for the poor, um, basically that there should be both government and economic power used to help the poor.
0: Right.
1: Um, so, how would a what would the libertarian Catholic uh, view of that be?
0: Well, basically, yeah. the The idea is to help the poor, and you. Don't do it by coercion, which is what government does. Um, and, and time after time, we've seen uh, study after study shows that more economic freedom helps bring people up um, from, from poverty. And yes, it helps the wealthy become more wealthy, but it also helps the poor. So the more economically free the country is, the better off everybody is, including the poor. So economically free countries have uh, their poor are ten times wealthier than the poor in in countries that aren't as economically free. What about
1: um, he talks about inequality and like the growing inequality, right? Um, so I mean the thing is, in, in a, um, a totally free economic system, I mean you could there there right. there isn't or in in a um, in an economic system that isn't really directed, you could conceivably have these. Um, almost singularities of wealth, right, where yeah. we're a rich, an extremely rich person just keeps getting richer and richer and richer, right? And right. Um, you could have Gateses, and, uh, you know, we used to have Rockefellers, and um, J.P. Morgan at one time was so rich, he was loaning money to the federal government uh, during sure. a, an economic crisis, right? Yeah. Um, you know, there's nothing to stop uh, one, you know, a, a very handful of people from grabbing a large percentage of the economy eventually, right? Um, right. Right. Without some some intervention, right? Um,
0: yeah, but I, I say if everyone else is better off, also, what's the what's the harm in having somebody astronomically wealthy? Well, the the question is is, is if they become
1: so wealthy that they um, that there's a distortion of the system, right? That it's no longer um, that they're rigging the system basically. They're yeah, rules, in, the, in right? that
0: point, it be it ceases to become a free market and it becomes a crony capitalist. Yeah, that? right. So then at, at that point, it's not it's. But that that can arise because of the wealth. But yeah, because of the
1: concentration of wealth, right? So, right.
0: And there yeah. there are also uh, positives that come from just astronomical amounts of wealth, like uh, some of the universities that are funded solely from these crazy, uh, <laughs> uh,
1: crazy capitalists. Well, I grew up in Pittsburgh, where the Carnegie Carnegie, um, uh, Carnegie decided that. Uh, oh, yeah. um, it, it okay. See, it's a it, there was a Simpsons quote. Um, uh, I was going to ask. It was after, it, it, <laughs> it was, you know, because uh, Car- Carnegie, basically, it was, oh, after this country's given me so much, I'm going to give back. And um, when Bart had his own show, uh, television show, Marge said, uh, I'm glad you're you're finally giving back to the community after ha- having taken so, so very much. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, people like to give back after they've taken so very much. For, and uh,
0: for people say there's health. positive externalities just from, you know, government programs. Like if you build a road, there's going to be, you know higher, more commerce, for instance, but there are positive externalities from private enterprise as well. Um, like a restaurant opens up and they, they provide free Wi-Fi, so somebody walking outside can get free Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. So things like that. There's There are positive externalities even from uh, people that don't necessarily in, intend that to happen.
1: Yeah. it's the, uh, Milton Friedman talked about that, about how... Um, one of the interesting things was that, um, uh, well, I mean, e- even if you just think of the capital or the uh, free market system is uh, the miracle of cooperation that it allows in people that don't even like each other or people that actively right. hate each other actually end up helping each other economically. Because um, it
0: benefits both of them. Yeah,
1: because they almost can't help it. Um, yeah. uh, and he, his, his example was, you know, building a pencil even that it comes from the... the that the components of a pencil come from all over the world.
0: Yeah. Um, no one no one person knows how to make a pencil. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. of all the components that come in from various areas so you have to you have to work with people that you may op- oppose politically or, you know, morally, but you're working together. You're, it brings people together. The economy, free market brings people together in that way to work for everyone's independent individual better interest. But I mean I, the one caution I would say is that as
1: Catholics, we believe in the teaching authority of the Church. So, it, you know, if the Pope says something on a particular subject, we tend to take we take notice of it, and we um, uh, okay. This is at least my rule of thumb: is that I at least consider his position very oh, strongly. Right? Yeah, um, and he's a, so he's a even bright, if he's not man, even if he's not talking on faith and morals, right? Um, right. If he has yeah. a uh, if he's saying, "Hey, we have a problem over here," right? Um, we don't just tend to think that. Oh yeah, what you know? What do you know? You're from Argentina, or I mean, it's, <laughs> no, it's a, uh, you know, we we, uh, um, we obviously consider consider exactly what he's saying right? answer.
0: So. Yeah, well, and I think he is guided by the Holy Spirit, um, but I think it should guide him to an economics course. <laughs>
1: yeah, I won't go there. Uh, so. I'll, I'll leave that. Yeah. Up, and I think it'd be good for us to have a. a I was saying I'd be willing to have a, uh, have a Catholic economic forum. Where we can, uh, That'd be excellent. We, we could do a, a firing line uh, type of uh, William yeah. Buckley uh, discussion. I
0: right. think the important the takeaway <laughs> is that a lot of people see, you know, the free market system as simply greed. But the important thing, and um, John Mackey, he's, he uh, owns. He started Whole Foods. Whole Foods. Yeah. Uh, here in Austin. He is a big proponent of conscious capitalism, which is it's the concept that it actually benefits people, it benefits more people than alternatives. Yeah. And so if you truly want to help people, that is the best way to do it. You don't do it by coercion force. Um, and
1: well, I think yeah. I mean, it, uh, I think you know Milton Friedman mm-hmm. had talked about that um, free market. The free market system has done more to alleviate poverty than. Um, than just about any other uh, any government program, right? And it's, um,
0: A billion people in the last twenty some odd years. Yeah, and
1: it's and it's um, so that's the thing, right? Is that any regulation of it should keep in mind that that fact of the power of the uh, the power of the free market system, um, although even though it has its limitations, it has its distortions, it has its breakdowns. Mm-hmm. So, but, but so yeah, in general, uh, what about? Um, what do you think about Facebook? We call it Facebook evangelizing, um, or uh, you know, people get into discussions of different, uh, of you know, religious topics. Or um, uh, is it a? well, yeah, you're, you're obviously for it, apparently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, but um, see, actually, see, I, I, to be honest, I like the podcast better because I don't, I don't get much feedback <laughs> anyway, so I can say whatever I want, and you know people just have to listen you have to take could, it. Yeah. I don't even have a YouTube comments uh, channel turned on so but no I you know people could respond if they feel like it but
0: they need to post um, their own podcast in
1: response to the yeah, podcast. They create your own podcast, get off, but they're too usually lazy to do yeah. that. They just want to troll so but no I actually found that find the trolling uh, I, I would like to have more trolls on that. <laughs> uh cuz my idea is a well-regulated trellisia like helps the community, so it uh, Yeah, because it inc- it increases the visibility of stuff. So. Absolutely, you got people arguing yeah. on your page, so. But, and they're mostly polite. You know, and I don't I haven't had any nasty grams yet, so. But.
0: Yeah, and that's good. I think that's the, the problem with um, with online interaction, that people since they lose the sense of um, personal interaction.
1: But see Facebook isn't as they it's, it's not a, the same as as it, it used to be everything was was anonymous yeah, right? yeah now right, anonymity um, now people are um, more in a community right so they're not as liable to um they're more they're more um they're more liable to be censured for uh, right. uh for what they say it's true right? so
0: yeah and i've I've had you know people lash out of my um, my post or whatever um, my sensible you know polite posts. <laughs> <laughs> and and then people would come out to me afterwards and say, like, that person was way out of line, you know. And so, yeah, it is, I think there is a sense of responsibility you have to do now with Facebook since your name's attached to it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important to get rid of the anonymous nature, um, bring it back to some sort of civility. Um, but and I and still, I think it's it's still there to, to some of
1: there's a quote, uh, you know, by Saint Francis or Saint uh, Saint Augustine, um, that talked about all the different, um, you know, the uh, uh, it, it all had to do with that the the weak needed to be supported and the the obnoxious had to be, you know, quelled. But then, you know, in the end, all needed to be loved, right? So I think um, hmm. the thing is, I me, mean, you know, That's a good point. Uh, what I've I've heard even you know Professor Coons talk about is that sometimes, uh, you know, I mean, the point's not to win an argument necessarily, it's to ask, get people to start asking themselves questions, right, so, um, it could be you say something that doesn't affect somebody for years down the road, and, right, Right. Plan but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's more about, you know, planting a seed and making, um, you know, in our case, making, you know, making the, uh, you know, my goal is to open up the Catholic world and, you know, expose people to it and then, you know, um, just Make, cer- make certain truths uh, available. Right. Uh, it's not necessarily to, um, you know, a lot of people aren't necessarily they weren't they, they didn't show up for uh, RCIA because somebody beat them over the head with an argument, right? Right. Um, yeah, so, plain, but it could see, mean that somebody asked them a good question, though, right? Yeah, or, and I um, definitely somebody in, brought something up, right? So,
0: I do it. I I definitely gain from it. Um, after I posted my article, I get um, I got a, some really good thoughtful. Responses and uh, questions, criticisms, um, and it, it helps me refine my argument. And I don't—I mean, I, I guess it's—it's a—it is changing. It, I wouldn't say like I've changed my mind, but um, definitely refine the argument and and bring in you know other perspectives, and that's the point of of the conversation. You know, you don't—if you're just hammering one idea, that's that's pretty pointless. Yeah, um, if it's you you welcome other feedback and you hope to to learn from from everybody and that's the point. The point isn't to be right; it's to attain the truth or
1: gain knowledge. Happen um, well, Pope Francis would say we should have an encounter or uh, a dialogue, right? Is the like would be it. the way to do it, right? Yeah. Instead of a monologue. Yeah. Although, because I mean, you can give monologues. my format's mostly a monologue, <laughs> but you know, so we're dialoguing here, though, so that, that's about as far as it goes. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, when it comes to it, I'll talk with just about anybody, actually. So, No. <laughs> right. Thanks.
0: But appreciate that. Yeah. No. no, no, you're
1: special, Joe. I didn't mean to say you weren't right. special. I at least you're, have a great actually, name. You're another Joe, so right. you know, it makes things easier. Right. So, yeah. But, um, all right, so yeah, and then we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the libertarian ideas with, uh, with Deacon Guadalupe. Right, oh, so. Yeah. Yeah, I believe we will. So, so.
0: <laughs> That's great. No, Deacon Guadalupe is such a, a blessing for this community. I'm excited to hear about his his uh, experiences.
1: I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah. This, so. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll take a break, and we'll be back with uh, Deacon Guadalupe.
0: This is Mary McClory, M-little-c-big-c-little-l-o-r-y, and you're listening to Joe's People.
1: Hey folks, we want to let you know that the Joe's People Amazon store is open for business. Just go to joespeople.com and click on our store link at the top. Or you can go directly at joespeople.com store. We have some of Joe's favorite Catholic books, music, and movies. We have both paper and Kindle books and music by Catholic musicians, including one of Joe's favorites, composer and pianist Eric Jenis. Come check us out. That's joespeople.com store. Thanks and God bless. All right, so we—I uh, guess we're back, right? So yeah. yeah right, right. <laughs> but uh, uh so here's best opening ever. It's I've stumbled into openings way before. Don't worry, i will let, let it all this out, obviously. So, um, so this week I'm here with uh, my co-host Joe Morse. How's it going, Joe? Hey, fantastic. And uh, and we're joined by uh, Deacon Guadalupe, and uh, well, Deacon Guadalupe Rodriguez. Right. Good to be here good to have you again. So, um, and, uh, so we're going to talk, uh, eventually we're going to get to our uh, Corpus Christi uh, discussion. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, we thought we'd have you back. See, what's interesting, so, you know, we had some good, good, uh, interesting stories last time. And then, and then after people, I told people at an interview, they're, they're like, oh, you should really, you, did he talk about that, that time he was a border <laughs> uh, guard? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Go, Yeah, he got that at car chase. I'm like, no, I don't remember that at all at in our interview. <laughs> but, uh, and then somebody else goes, yeah, he used to work with that exercise, exorcist guy, I think. And I'm like, oh, okay, that would have been a good story, too. <laughs> so, But yeah, so um, I guess to review, so in your – I'm trying to remember what order you said you, you had um, – you were a high, uh, high school science teacher at one point. That's correct for seven years. Seven years, and then you were uh, <laughs> then you were a sheriff's deputy. That's correct for seven years. Seven years, and now you've been a deacon. You said for seven or how many years? Since two thousand and six, I've worked okay. for the church
2: for nine years now. Okay, so varied career. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: that's, different hats. That's a certain uh, different career path. So yeah, yes. that's a uh, but uh, but now at one point so at one point you worked you, uh, you worked border security. No, it was all part of the for deputy sheriff.
2: Uh, Okay, so
1: you were down in, in a border county. That's
2: correct. Uh-huh. One hour uh, and a half from Corpus Christi or one hour from Laredo. What's known as the Wild Horse Desert. It gets <laughs> to 116 degrees. Wow. Um, the area where I worked at, they had three federal checkpoints. So basically, once you get past those checkpoints, uh, you're home free for those people that are uh, uh, narcotic uh, bringing
1: in narcotics. Okay. Yeah. So, is that a big, so that's a big throughway for... Uh, uh, that and, um, I guess you got well, you got like Tijuana on the other side and uh, on the other side, oh. of, or no, sorry, not on the other side, of Laredo. Uh, what's the um, got? New Laredo, Laredo oh, San yeah yeah, 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 All those water towns, but Tijuana is uh, or Tijuana's on the other side. Yeah, San Diego. Yeah, no San sorry, yeah, I'm, uh, my, my Texas jugger I, I learned my Texas geography by looking at like where I got fans along te- Texas. Sure. I, I see along the Texas border. I got Marfa out there. I got some fans there. You're huge and, uh, in Marfa, huh? Yeah, big in my Eagle Pass. Uh-huh. The, the <laughs> Morgan Lights. Big in, yeah. <laughs> Thriving Metropolis. But no, wait. So, so you, you got into a car chase at one point? Uh, yes. I've been told. Uh, two of them. One uh, at the
2: beginning of my career. And um, if I remember correct, is about a million dollars worth of, of, of drugs. And um, we were going on a high speed chase, um, and we were on a limestone road, what's known as a caliche road. And after a certain speed, when you hit fifty five or sixty five, the little rocks become uh, like uh, roller, blade, roller blades. Yeah. So my car wow. hydroplaned, oh. out of control. But we recovered the drugs and all that. So okay. uh, That was the beginning. I got a neck injury. Uh, then seven years. That was your first day. That was like uh, the first uh, nine months or first year. Oh, wow. Yes. Yes. That was very exciting. Law enforcement is really good for building up your faith.
1: Yeah. Mm. Um, That's what I was going to ask about is, uh, I mean, there's a good faith aspect to it of, you know, that um, obviously, you know, you might have get into a situation where you're like, okay, we may not make it out of this. uh, Or (laughs) there's there's a good chance we could die doing this, right? Um, So, uh, I mean, does it... So it builds up your faith. It wouldn't, um, uh, or you know, does it? It tests it at least. Right? Yes, so,
2: yeah. absolutely. Um, I have great memories, extraordinary memories of, of law enforcement, just because um, on a daily basis, on a moment by moment basis, you're dealing with uh, with danger, mm-hmm. uh, and that therefore you have two options: to either have recourse just your own human faculties, or to to pray to God yeah. continually. Uh, and when you do that, then it changes the person. You, the person relies, learns to rely uh, strictly on God and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit at every moment. What to do under what circumstances? So yeah, that, that's a kind. Of, in a nutshell, that was uh, that was a, seven great years of formation that, in God's plan, that I needed.
1: Yeah. A little different from the average seminary experience, I guess, or formation. <laughs> they don't use live ammo in the seminary, right? Deal. There's just more... They use blank rounds in the seminary. Sure.
0: <laughs> so this doesn't happen for everybody, right? Like some of your colleagues probably went the other route. You know, they're trusting on themselves. And Absolutely. Losing yeah. faith. Right. Um, the law enforcement
2: community, you have... It's 50-50. You have men who... Um, it, it has a f- highest divorce rate, highest suicide rate, wow. uh, just because they rely on, on just their human uh, powers, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and they don't rely on God. But then the other half, it's a very spiritual man. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a vocation that you find in the Old Testament, uh, and even at the beginning of time where... Uh, the angels the, basically the vocation of somebody in law enforcement whether it's federal state or local it's to keep the peace to uh, to be peacemakers and, you know Jesus speaks of blessed are the peacemakers peacemakers yeah who will be called children of God uh, so yes in a nutshell they're peacemakers continually and as you well know the catechism speaks of uh, you have a duty to defend the, uh, the weak mm-hmm. and uh, that's the, and the unprotected and that's what uh, looking at it from a spiritual perspective that is what a law enforcement career does for the person um the danger factor is really a blessing in disguise because uh it makes the soul grow Uh, yeah if you if if it just makes the soul grow completely dependent on god
1: Uh, that's interesting because i'm reading the spiritual combat right now and uh that's the book that St. Francis de Sales they said he always had like a little pocket edition on him all the time uh, by was it uh, Dom Lorenzo Scapoli I guess is the, I think I believe he's the one who wrote that but he talks about that number one basically the number one practice in spiritual combat or the first step is to not rely on yourself at all always always um, uh, assume that you're not up to the task but you have you're relying on God so it's it's interesting that's a um, we'll run into that again
2: <laughs> and that's, I'm glad you bring it up because it kind of relates to the law enforcement career it is a microcosm of what every Christian experiences through spiritual combat, uh, we're all on a daily basis being attacked in our own weaknesses by the enemy uh, sometimes very uh, in your face and sometimes very subtly but definitely if you're living a true Christian life aspiring to There is going to be spiritual warfare spiritual Mm -hmm. combat Uh, I would say that was my the training ground for for my spiritual life as a deacon Uh, yeah yes Hmm.
1: Hmm. or you could also end up as like a principal of a catholic school you know because that would you know get into law enforcement there you have to deal with some tough customers too so so what about this is uh, also interesting um so you you were involved uh, with uh, uh, Father Patrick at the commun- um, community of Saint John in Laredo. Uh, so what? Uh, so when I well, yeah see as soon as I t- start talking about demons and exorcism, then everybody everybody's ears perk up and they want to hear about that, right? Uh, so <laughs> so what all? I mean, so can you uh, yeah tell us a little bit about your your experience with? Uh, so I've worked
2: okay. a total of nine years for the church. The first two years after my law enforcement career, Father Patrick, who's a hermit uh, in the Wild Horse Desert, um, where it gets to 116 degrees. So not only are you getting uh, spiritually attacked, but physically attacked. If it doesn't bite you, it'll poke you. If it doesn't poke you, it'll sting you.
1: Uh, it sounds like the, the early desert fathers. Yes, uh, very much, much so. Yeah, yeah.
2: So originally he was a priest for the community of St. John. Then, um, kind of like Mother Teresa, the Holy Spirit led him to to a life, of eremitical life of prayer, and he uh, asked to leave the order and become a hermit. And he's been a hermit for well, I don't I want to say probably close to twenty years. Um, at one point, and I think he still he was an appointed exorcist uh, for a diocese in France, uh, and he mm-hmm. his he would do the exorcisms in France. Mm-hmm. Um, he has several eremitical places in France here. Uh, in Mexico in South America and I basically just was the retreat administrator. Uh, I took care of the books, took care of the people that came on retreat. Some of the people had uh, deeper spiritual problems of obsession, oppression uh, and very few but some were possessed and he would Mm -hmm. take care of that. So you Um, you
1: assist him in the I just assist him
2: in a very minor way Uh, The exorcisms had to be in France, and I never got to go to to France. But but I did help him with spiritual warfare prayers, deliverance prayers, um, and helping people at a human level. Uh, There's all sorts of... uh, When somebody is oppressed or obsessed, uh, they need
1: uh, a community to help them. Now, by oppressed and obsessed, you don't mean a psychological uh, issue. You're saying this is a... um or they, have they already been? Um, I guess the church the church goes through a, pro, a certain protocol to determine if they're going to actually do an exorcism, right? And absolutely, part of it is like a psychiatric evaluation to That's make sure correct. it's not just like schizophrenia or something.
2: Absolutely, like yeah, absolutely. That's that is a pre, prerequisite uh, that all priests follow, and only the bishop can give this permission of exorcism. Um, but the vast majority of people who need deliverance it's more at the obsession level Mm -hmm. but we're speaking not at a uh, human psychological level but at a spiritual level Um, and it could be an easy example would be like somebody who's an alcoholic Um, they experience a certain amount of human addiction but there's also a spiritual component where Uh the enemy wants to tempt you to drink more alcohol you could take that into different aspects. Somebody who has an anger problem. Somebody who has a, uh, a pornography problem. Somebody who has a uh, just any kind of spiritual problem.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. So they usually have manifestations in the physical realm. Like the spiritual combat usually has a manifestation physically. For the possessed, yes. Okay. Uh, there
2: is actual physical manifestations of physical strength for example at father patrick's there was this or they know the unknown the the enemy reveals something about uh about joe or joe or joe, oh, joe, and joe. <laughs> either of the joes him? yeah like, we um, were going
1: latin um, i was going to be primus and i was going to have him be secundus but that's my it just thought, that's I mean, my pride uh would
0: you go by joseph or joe um i'll do both both, okay. both excellent names yes.
2: If I was ever going to have an name change, I would change it to Joseph, just because I love Joseph. But
1: I like that the bishop is Joe, though. He's yeah, uh, officially Joe, because it's, uh, I mean, it's one syllable. It's faster. you know. It's more, yeah. uh, we were going to call it Two Cups of Joe, but uh, of Joe. that right. was just, Pat Ryan. Uh, he, he gave us that idea. Yeah. He wants money now, because I said that. But, but anyway, sorry. It's
0: every time you say
2: it. <laughs> So anyway, Father Pat, here, here's an interesting story that happened there at, at the Hermitage. It's about a 1,200-acre ranch. And there's a main chapel, different hermitages, and one person there, he had access to the unknown about your own personal life wow. that mm-hmm. nobody else would know that it happened to you 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, That would be a, a physical manifestation, actually spiritual, but he, physically by verbalizing it, right. um, that uh, that person was
1: possessed. So, I mean, you've seen this, uh, uh, you've, uh, you've seen witnessed it. this. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, it's when the hermit... Aspect. So he was a hermit, which means to me, secluded and out, removed from society. That's correct. Intentionally, um, but although he's, he's...
1: although they are in a community, so that's interesting. When oh okay, in huh. a, in a, right. So they aren't. He's not entirely isolated, right? I mean, he so is. Th- uh,
2: when we speak of are, the aromatic life, there's different charisms and different types. Uh, his charism. Um, th- there is a community, and usually there's five, ten people there. It just varies, Um, but they're not living in the same place. They live like two, three blocks away in the woods, and uh, everybody kind of like a little little city in the woods.
0: Um, And are these tents, what kind of Some of these buildings
2: are
1: are clay buildings.
0: Um, Ah. Yeah, just they formed
1: bricks. Yeah, they make them with hay and things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, when, when Chris Sierra was on, he was talking about how um, in Mexico, I guess there was a um, I, just a, a rich patron had donated a whole mountain to Father Patrick, and I guess they were living in caves. Wow. Uh, so everybody had their own cave. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that's like St. Anthony old school yeah. uh, hermit. They so had a, uh, a,
2: yeah. a a mountain that had caves, uh, and uh, they made their, their hermitages in the caves, and it was a, a mountain dedicated to St. Michael. Hmm. who, by the way, is the patron of police officers, and it really should be everybody's sub-patron for protection. Yeah. Um, here at the cathedral where they pray the St. Michael prayer after Mass, yes. and then, uh, Pope John Paul recommended that in 92, 93, that we should continue praying the St. Michael prayer. Yes,
1: yeah, so my parents always pray the, you know, uh, St. Michael the Archangel, uh, prayer to St. Michael the Archangel after finishing a rosary. Um, yeah. And I guess a lot of people do that, but I'm not sure if it's a standard, uh, you know, if it's...
0: It's not in the... People
1: seem to pick whatever they want to add on to the end of the rosary, right? So they they mix it up.
0: The beauty
2: of it is, in the end, God wins. Yeah. And we will not be tempted beyond our... Scripture says uh, that we won't be tempted beyond our strength. Um, But we do have to, you know, like... uh, we, we, We do have to be molded. Uh, we do have to go undergo trials that we may be sanctified, uh, and definitely the whole world is under trial today. It's so evident now uh, the attacks of the enemy on the church and the individual uh, is just so so in your face, so
1: yeah. Clear, yeah. So, um, or yeah. So, uh, and I guess this yeah this does lead us into um, uh, talking about uh, you know the body of Christ and the Church and Body of Christ, and then, of course, Cor- Corpus Christi. So I want to do is take a break, and then we'll come back. Sure. We'll talk about bringing Christ into the into the world, so out into the world. So, All right, we'll take a break, and we'll be back. Join the Knights of Columbus and St. Mary Cathedral Parish as we process from St. Mary Cathedral to the state capitol and into the rotunda. Join us as we give witness to our faith through prayer and solemn procession. This will be the first time the Blessed Sacrament has been brought into any state capital in a Eucharistic procession. The procession will depart St. Mary Cathedral at 10th and Brazos immediately after the 9.30 a.m. Mass on Sunday, June 22nd. Please join us. Thank you. Alright, so we are back. Um, so yeah, so before we talk about Corpus Christi, so Joe had a...
0: a that's some controversial question. Some controversial question. Controversial was, question. So this done. is about okay, the, yeah. the, your time in the law enforcement. Mm-hmm. and What would you say is your percentage of the uh, crimes that you dealt with that have to do with drugs?
2: I would say most crimes are influenced by some kind of intoxication. Whether uh. it's alcohol, drugs, huh. um, even intoxication of our own spirit. You know, w- when when there's a domestic disturbance, uh, when the, the man is just, it's his own spirit, his own will. Uh, but definitely... In that case, he's under the influence of adrenaline. But everybody's okay. under the influence of something when, when we're called uh, to to bring peace and order. Uh, but it is, uh, as far as crime, um, it is a big part. Whether it's alcohol, uh, or cocaine, marijuana, um, they all, in the end, change the person's. It gives the gives them him or her the umph. Courage to do that—that's not within the law or
0: normal, immoral, immoral, absolutely. So you're saying a lot, most of it, uh, most of what you had to do with uh, in the police force was was dealing with intoxicated people, right? Um, in some sort. Do you? How would I put this? Oh. <laughs> You, is it? Um, do you see that the the solution to the problem of you know the drug problem? Yes. Do you see that as creating its own problems, also in addition to the, the problems that the drugs create? Being so, more specific. yeah. You know, so, like, uh, like legalizing
2: drugs. Is that what you're yeah, saying? I guess that's what I'm getting oh, at. Good, but good. That's a good question. That's an awesome question. So the church <laughs> has spoken. to... The church <laughs> it is very mean, circumspect. But yeah, it's
0: a controversial. Like that. Question. I'm using <laughs> the Socratic method to get around yeah. to the point. Because it seems
2: logical that if you legalize drugs, that then, then you wouldn't have the cartels,
1: uh, and you you, you take know, out the profit motive. And right, exactly. we
0: looked at the at the prohibition during the 20s of alcohol, right. Right. that created the mob basically, and uh, exactly. with alcohol. So. Theoretically speaking, you get rid of drugs. prohibition of drugs, and that gets rid of. The so course. the church,
2: ha- the church has a uh, something called a family compendium. It's a collection of different church documents. Nice. Um, in there, you have Family Fathers Consortio by Pope John Paul, and different documents. One particular uh, teaching in there is on drugs. Does legalization of drugs help or make it better, or you know? And it clearly states that it doesn't, and it makes distinction because drugs automatically change the person's character, mm-hmm. uh, physiology. While you, know, you you made that good comparison with alcohol, mm-hmm. you know I know deacons, priests, good fathers, good mothers that have one beer or one glass right. of wine. Uh, And and that does not change a person's personality while drugs, cocaine, marijuana, those automatically change uh, the person's physiology, emotions, uh, and therefore all sorts of illegal, immoral things can happen. Mm. So you would have a society where the teacher would be teaching high, the mayor would be on coke, uh, you know whatever the drug is yeah and we're saying acts. we're saying as a society
1: that that's okay absolutely Cause, right I mean because so, laws are also the they're the statement by society of what we think it is, right. is acceptable behavior
0: well, j- just to answer right. yes, yes, that the okay. um, alcohol is legal but you don't see like a mayor giving speeches when he's drunk or you know there's right because there it is takes is because it takes
1: six beers or five beers by
2: the I time see. you're intoxicated or, or for some people it could be four
1: you know but, but the, you have to hit a threshold. There's not usually a, like a casual crack addict, right? Or a functioning meth addict.
0: Right? I don't know right. who you're hanging out with. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> but in other, it happens. No, <laughs> in other words, you,
2: you can't have just, you can't say, well, I can have one line of cocaine and I'll be okay. You know, yeah, it won't like, influence my character.
0: And, um, and the point is to become high with those
2: and right. drugs. Or meth, mean, you know, you can't say you're just going to one, because... Meth is so strong, you know. Uh, So that's, and that, I I don't remember the exact name of the document, but that's the distinguishing factor that it's an immediate change in your personality. Uh, Yes. Okay. Now, some of these drugs, like going back to my law enforcement, they had a satanic priest curse the drugs Mm. so that the spirit of addiction would be automatically attached so you're dealing now with two criteria: yeah. the the biological that your body wants more cocaine, and the and the spiritual that mm-hmm. this has been consecrated for evil that you would get spiritually attacked. So that's the other factor, uh, that uh, profit factor that people don't look at. That um, I had first hand experience in law enforcement: uh, people that I would arrest. In their vehicles, they would carry satanic
0: uh, paraphernalia and satanic right. idols and things like that. Can can you talk to that? Speak to that because I heard in um, I think northern Mexico there's a, um, a almost a cult that is arising because of this, um, because of the prevalence of the the uh, cartels, and it's almost a
2: cult of death. Absolutely, it's it's called a Santisima Muerte. Um, it's it's a uh, holy death in English uh, or saint death and there's nothing saintly about it, it's Satan himself, death Uh, the father of lies Um, and the drug dealers use it a lot uh, as their patron or intercessor Uh, back in the 80's you had uh, in South Texas where I'm from, where this cartel uh, particular cartel was sacrificing humans in order that they would be able to move millions of drugs into the U.S. Wow. But um, eventually, they were uh, arrested. But this is this goes hand in hand with with drugs. Um, wow. It's it's the culture of life and the culture of death. Uh, there's a exorcist. Um, whom I'm gonna not gonna name his name, um, but when he was doing an exorcism, um, it talked about this spirit of death. A high, uh, it's a high. It's 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 Satan himself uh, hiding under this Santissima Morte. Mm. Uh, that, that is, and it, it it makes sense. It's the culture of death versus right. the culture of life. Yeah, uh, and yeah. you you see it even in Austin. You see people on their on the back of their vehicles with this uh, Ripper Jack uh, skull Jack a Ripper. I saw that yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And so yeah, it's it's a, they mean business. You know, it's. It's real. They don't deny it. They have made in Mexico. They have made shrines all over the place uh, to this uh, death, yeah. to the devil. Wow. So, so you know, another angle to the drugs—they're not connect to legalize them—is to you know, it's Jesus offers us the Eucharist,
1: life. The devil mm-hmm. offers us drugs, death. And, and I mean a lot. Of, I mean, interesting. I mean, the point of. Drugs is to alter perception and sort of alter your perception of reality and get away from reality, right? Mm-hmm. When um, you know the Christian and Catholic view is to is to embrace reality, right? Is to is to embrace the ultimate reality, right? So it's all a matter of wh- which direction are we moving, like closer to reality or further away from it, right? Or what? Even in, a pra- in the practical aspect of oh, we take the profit motive away, but still, it's it's are we helping our brother get closer or further away? In, in doing that, right?
0: By legalizing. Yeah. and That's,
2: that's a really well, good question because, I mean, in Denver, what happened in Denver, right. and, and I'm guessing that before all is said and done, it, other states are going to legalize it. Um, but God is in control. Sometimes, you know, we're a young nation. We're like the prodigal son. Sometimes you have to loose everything to come yeah. back to the Father. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're the only country who's still Christian and and I wonder how much. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes we have to hit rock bottom that we may go up, that we may realize even my servant in my father's house is better off as food. And uh, spiritually, we're gonna bankrupt ourselves. uh, Interesting.
0: Well, and that's excellent perspective. The only, um, the other side of that is that, yeah, like we shouldn't promote drug use. But the solution to it seems to be doing more harm than the actual drug. So, and that's that's the only thing that I see. Um, but I'll have, to, I'll have to, see the, uh, the compendium, see what that John Paul II has to
2: say yeah. about that. So, the but- I always when I have to, when I dealt with people with drugs, I always loved them. Even, I, even after arresting them, I mm-hmm. brought a, a, a spiritual book because deep inside there, it's a thirst. For God, for Christ, even though they don't realize it. Yeah, I think. uh,
1: Um, think it was Lewis or Chesterton talked about. You know, even in even if in our vilest desires, there's this search for heaven. Basically, it's like a misplaced, search.
2: Misguided desire. Yeah. Um, And and we have all these young people in America who are doing or desire drugs, but what they truly desire is the high, but it's not a real high. It's, It's a fake high. But the real high they want is Christ. We all want that high, the high that remains, the joy that remains. That's why He gave us the Gospel of Joy. This uh, uh, Father, I'm sorry, Pope Francis, uh, that He is the true joy that we, the happiness, the real joy that we all want and desire, Uh, not artificial, not the one that leaves you just empty afterwards. Mm -hmm. And so I've got to go back for more drugs because to. To quench that emptiness, that mm-hmm. solitude, that loneliness, that oppression—yeah, it's a good, it's awesome. a really good question. I mean, young people. What characterizes young people is their thirst for truth and for for God, even though they don't realize it. Truth, because when you talk to a person, they always want to attach themselves to a strong personality. Sometimes I get parents say, "Why is my son hanging around with bad people?" Or this. They, they want somebody who burns, even if it's burning for something, somebody who's on fire for something, somebody mm-hmm. who's real. I said, and if you had lived a Christian life, then your son would see the, that you're on fire for God, and right. he would want to hold on to that. But because they see no one's on fire for God at home, they, they have to search out for, for this truth, even though it's not the real truth. But, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's the problems that we face as a church To go out into the peripheries, the fringes, to go find the the prodigal son, to embrace him, to love him. Not to judge him, not to criticize him, but to to judge him.
1: To to love him. Cool. All right, so that was a whole segment in of itself actually. (laughs) So so we'll take another break and we'll be back with that. No, that was good. That was that was that was an excellent I think There's your ratings discussion. just skyrocketed. It did, them. yeah, I think so. <laughs> no, this is, no, this is all, it's all good, it's all good material. Yes. So yeah. Alright, so we'll take a break a bit. Hey folks, we want to let you know that the Joe's People Amazon store is open for business. Just go to joespeople.com and click on our store link at the top. Or you can go directly at joespeople.com slash store. We have some of Joe's favorite Catholic books, music and movies. We have both paper and Kindle books. And music by Catholic musicians, including one of Joe's favorites, composer and pianist Eric Jennis. Come check us out. That's Joe'sPeople.com/store. Thanks and God bless. All right, so we're so we're back. Um, so uh, so yeah, I promised we would talk about Corpus Christi, which we we do want to talk about. Uh, so the feast of Corpus Christi is coming up um, next Sunday, and uh, so now uh, so why exactly do we need a why do we need a, a feast? Why do we need a feast of Corpus Christi? Um, would be my question. Since uh, you know, every week at the mass, it, it basically is a feast of, of Corpus Christi That's of true. the body of Christ. Um, so why do uh, uh, I guess? What you know? You could elaborate on why do why do we need to have a special feast?
2: Th- uh, that is a question that in the 13th century the whole church asked themselves. And what happened is there's this 16 year old named Juliana who receives his visions of jesus and jesus tells her that he wants this particular feast of corpus christi which is actually the church calls it a solemnity the highest expression of celebration Uh, and for three reasons he says by doing this particular feast it'll increase the faith of the people it'll advance them in the practice of virtue and third it will do reparation to the blessed sacrament um there are many places where the host is stolen and then sacrilegious or outrageous are committed by Satanists and with this particular feast there would be reparation for that particular sin um, hmm. look, think about the, the Harvard incident
0: yeah, where they wanted to do mm-hmm. a satanic do a mouse, mass yeah. absolutely
2: so these are the kind of things these three things this is the why we need a feast of Corpus Christi together with a procession she would see this vision of this moon and there was a line on it, and she would ask God, What does that mean? She says, it's the moon represents the church, and there's something missing, and it's this particular feast. Honoring our Lord, giving Himself to us day and night to be with us uh, whenever we want to. Uh, I will be with you until the end of time. We have a God that loves us so much that He's with us day and night, and in this feast, is a way of thanking him and honoring him for making that great gift to us, to humankind.
1: I think we should, uh, you know, while we're on that subject, um, I think about, I heard a story a couple of years ago that in Boston, I don't know if it was just in the city of Boston limits, like downtown Boston, or the diocese, but they said for the first time in 40 years they now have perpetual adoration in Boston. And I, I, I assume maybe they're just talking about downtown because it would be insane if it was the Archdiocese of Boston. But, um, but then I think in, in Austin, we actually have perpetual adoration available um, in a 24 hour day perpe- okay. uh, adoration at maybe five parishes, wow. at least I could think of. Um,
2: in the entire diocese, there's
1: 13 uh,
2: perpetual adoration chapels. Yeah. Uh, in town, there's six of them
1: with all within about i don't know 20 minutes of just about anybody in Austin Let's so take that Boston um, yeah so i think we're yeah we're one up on Boston on that but uh yeah i mean i think that that's that's remarkable actually that uh, people can you know go and spend time with the blessed sacrament anytime they want basically so no so, excuses
2: here's a, here's another <laughs> incredible statistic more than half of the perpetual adorations worldwide more than half are in the US hmm. And to me it's a sign of how much God loves this country. Yeah. You know, one nation under God. Uh, where God is worshipped day and night.
1: Most especially Austin, though.
0: I think
2: we're saying what we're saying here. <laughs> <laughs> that, God bless Texas. You know the, the, the,
1: the,
0: the, the, the slogan that God
1: bless Texas. So now um, okay, so and, and now we're gonna so we're gonna have a, a Okay, the only thing I would have asked Jesus is, could we have a Corpus Christi procession in February? But it, I guess it has to be on in Texas. So, we're, so, so um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be in Typically June. We're gonna, we're gonna, it's gonna be we're gonna ha- so now we're gonna have a Corpus Christi procession, and we're gonna go from uh, the cathedral uh, up to the state capital, which is all of you know uh, two blocks north, and one block west. But um, but still, we're gonna so uh, the cathedral will be having having this. Um, Next Sunday, and um, uh, obviously, I guess what this is the Sunday, the twenty second, twenty second, June twenty second, so, um, and so the uh, so we you, uh, you, you be uh, so you you've been coordinating all this, right? Will you be you'll be do, uh, doing the procession? Uh, yes,
2: so. uh, myself, Dick and Vince, uh four other priests, uh, a total of about twenty-two altar servers. Uh, wow. It just requires it's the church has guidelines. Uh, there'll be a choir from San Antonio specifically coming to uh, sing the original chants that St. Thomas Aquinas, when he, he he's the one that wrote the, the office, the prayers, the chants, mm-hmm. and there were particular music that was for this particular solemnity. And these, this particular choir from San Antonio is going, coming to sing those original pieces
1: hmm. um, inside the rotunda. Yeah, so that's the other big thing. So last year, uh, I don't, I, I missed the last year, I was at the one where we're at the uh, the UCC, where we went up to um, the, near the UT Tower, but, um, so now this is, I think that we, this is a historic first, right, that we're going to um, have a euch- Eucharistic procession actually go inside the rotunda.
2: That, that is correct. It is a special blessing from God. Um, it just... In his plan, all the pieces just fell together. Um, there's Senator Lucio, who was able to get us permission to get inside because not just you can't just show up and decide you want to have an event inside the Rotunda. Yeah, yeah,
0: we're gonna have to go through metal detectors. <laughs>
2: Absolutely, mm-hmm. um, and this is a special grace for Texas for the people that where Jesus will actually bless the whole state and we are expecting things to change spiritually. Yeah. Um, you mentioned it earlier that abortion-wise, that uh, there's been a lot of clinics uh, that have been closed down. Yeah. Um, and, and who knows, with this special blessing coming from Jesus himself, what the spiritual consequences will be, good spiritual consequences will be
1: for the church in Texas. Yeah, so this is definitely like I said, uh, taking Jesus into the public square and... Um, uh, it does remind me of what Pope Francis is asking us to do, right—to go out into the world, right, and not just stay inside our, our churches, right. So, it's definitely along along those lines. So, so
2: it, it's a first that I know of. It's a first state in the whole union, the whole fifty states, where Jesus has been allowed to go inside the capital of a of a building. Um, it, it, it's it's a once it's a historic once in a lifetime. The Knights of Columbus uh, are also helping. They're they're they're, they're going to be in their regalia. Uh, they'll have their swords on them,
1: so they'll. But I don't know if they'll be providing security or not.
0: No one's going to be messing with us. Yeah,
1: I'd like to have a bit. If I was a knight, I'd like to get a really big sword, like a two handed one. You could really, you know. But uh, yeah, but make that request. But, uh. <laughs> uh, and, and the
2: Cathedral School students will also be there. Uh, they even made a, a radio commercial. Promoting this event, uh, you can hear it on Relevant Radio. Okay, uh, really beautiful voices. Uh, so it's it's different people getting together. Different uh, ministries, uh, organizations in the cathedral are going to be there
1: also. So now, what time is the um, what time's the procession going to? Ten thirty. 30 Okay, America. so it's not going to be too hot then. So it'll be uh, it'll be in the eighties, no doubt. But yeah.
2: <laughs> Mass is at 9.30 and then followed by the procession at 10.30. Okay. And we're asking for all the groups, associations, to bring their banner. Uh, every year people bring their different banners. Okay. Uh, the Boy Scouts have said they're coming. Um, American Heritage Girls are coming. Different groups uh, are coming uh, to honor God. And this this once-in-a-lifetime, who knows, maybe next year they won't allow us to go inside. Yeah. Uh, but this is a once-in-a-lifetime. We'll
1: we we'll at least get this one up. One opportunity and one blessing. So, okay. so there would be. Um, so once once you go into the rotunda, what exactly? Um, I'm assuming it'll be similar to what uh, what we did at um, the UT Tower. It'll be um, well. There'll be a, there'll be a benediction, yes, and exposition of the sacraments. That's and, correct. Okay,
2: and the people are going to be allowed to go on the south entrance, the east entrance, the west entrance. Uh, it's kind of like inside is kind of like a star. And this will allow people to be able to see the center, the, the center of the rotunda, and they will also be allowed to go to the second and the third floor, the overflow crowd. Okay. Uh, we're expecting a, a very good sized crowd of maybe 750. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people from outside of Austin who have contacted us that they're coming
1: to this special event. Yes. And you're going to have, I mean, you know, at the Capitol. You always have, you know, to- uh, always overrun with tourists, right? So I guess you know, people that. The interesting thing I think it, um, when we were at the UT Tower was you know people that are just walking around minding their own business right they um, you know the, the average the average non-Catholic doesn't see a monstrance they don't see Jesus every day right so um, uh, in, in the in the form of the Blessed Sacrament right so there uh, somebody uh, somebody had asked are they worshiping the sun I think it wasn't um, that
2: was one of the processions yeah because they, the beauty of it is. They, they witnessed worship. They knew that something holy was happening. You know? mm-hmm. They just couldn't figure out. This was secular, atheist type people. were. They said, <laughs> are they worshiping the sun? They figured the worship part. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't figure. But it's also Jesus sending a grace to their hearts. Yeah. They know that something holy is going on. And, and that's the other thing for for doing this procession is that people who would never have encountered God have an encounter of some kind with God. There's a beautiful story of uh, Saint uh, Neil, uh, who's the father of geology. He was an atheist, and he was watching a procession, and and when he saw the reverence and 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 the the, the holiness of the event, he was converted at that moment. He said, "I know there's a God." Uh, hmm. wow. Neil Wow. So those are the those are kind of it, just piggybacking. What you, you just said, Pope Francis saying, going to the peripheries, to the fringes yeah. of people who have never met God. That's the kind of thing we're expecting. They see us with a lot of incense, and we're we're going to be allowed to bring incense into the capital. So, okay, cool. so, yeah, amazing. That, that'll about. be a first too. I Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, be an interesting experience.
2: And, and DPS has just been really good to us and. They've they've uh, they've really have bent over backwards to accommodate the procession. We we can't say That's enough right. yeah. about DPS. Hmm. Just, um,
1: then again, law enforcement people are very spiritual.
0: <laughs> at least That's half of them. Half of them.
1: <laughs> My favorite was at the March for Life. Um, you know, we had to stop traffic for the march yeah. and. Um, the press was interviewing some of the people that are in the cars that were had been blocked in traffic i'm like oh you're gonna get a real unbiased opinion <laughs> <laughs> like oh, they could they could be the most pro-life and they'd be like they're blocking me from getting <laughs> but but yeah that's great that they're no that they're uh um yeah you know we shut down the city for everything else right it seemed like sure. we could shut it down for jesus for a little while right so you know we do it for every marathon and you know and it, it, it cap 10k and everything else right so you know it's this puts our priorities in line. <laughs> That's
2: think, think about when um, when Pope John Paul consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in 83. Immediately, the Berlin Wall fell and communism fell. That, that was the immediate consequences. Yeah. I just wonder, after this particular blessing, what, what the spiritual consequences will be. Um, throughout history, there's been moments like uh, when uh, St. Clair, when her convent was attacked, she blessed them with the monstrance and Jesus and... These people just ran, these evil people mm-hmm. who were going to destroy the convent, and they just left. Yeah. Um, and there's been many, uh, there's, there was going to be a huge tidal wave that was going to um, wipe away an island in Colombia, and the priest came out with a monstrance and blessed uh, this tidal wave, and it immediately ceased. Uh, well, they, this, they said
1: in India, um, during the tsunami uh, the, at the, um, uh, where St. Thomas had uh, founded a church, or I guess it was at the, It was near the statue of Saint Thomas that the tsunami came up to basically, you know, right near the church, and then pulled back. Wow. Um, so it was. Uh, they said Saint Thomas ha- has had one of the most active uh, afterlifes of anybody, uh, just about any saint. <laughs> uh, this is it Saint Thomas uh, the Apostle? But, yeah, Saint Thomas the Apostle. Wow. Yeah. That's so. so
2: he believed now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a meme. It was yeah. like it was like uh, what was it? Uh, it was you know for. Or, like all he had was like one moment of uh, doubt, and then he goes out and, and converts all these people. But he still but remembers Thomas the Doubter. The doubter. <laughs> and, and you know the
2: other the other thing to look at is you all are young, and uh, Pope Benedict spoke of this Eucharistic springtime for the young people. And and the more young people I see, the the more they're they're very fervent devoted to yeah. the Eucharist. And mm-hmm. to, so we're seeing a Eucharistic springtime.
1: Good point. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, interesting discussion on all fronts. (laughs) (laughs) all right. So we'll, uh, yeah, we'll have a link about the uh, the Corpus Christi procession, and uh, yeah, we'll do a little. uh, We'll we'll throw an ad in also, but um, yeah, we'll 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 get the word out on that. So, all right. It was great to have you on again. Absolutely. Uh, Thanks for thanks for being here. Thanks, Joe, for co-hosting. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll take a break. That's the show for this week. I'd like to thank Deacon Guadalupe again for joining us and for sharing some amazing experiences. I think you've made this a very interesting podcast. <laughs> and thanks also to my good friend Joe Morse for co hosting once again. And thank you all for joining us for a mile or two in our walk with God. This is Joe Geisler saying good night and God bless for Boston, Texas.
0: I'm so glad.